We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. And welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This episode 48 of the pod. Welcome in, friends, family, loved ones, Romans, countrymen, all that come. We welcome you. Matthew, how are you? It's a uh, wonderful morning. It's I'm a wonderful Wednesday morning. It's a wonderful Wednesday morning. We're coming at you on a, a little different schedule here. Thank you for being patient with us with the Moose and Roots Podcast. We had... Uh, some uh, as as you put out on our Twitter account, some scheduling issues yesterday. Wait, was um, that was it due to your new modeling career or the car you bought? I can't couldn't really tell from those pictures if you recently took on a modeling gig did, or bought a car. I was gonna say I I might pick up a couple uh, like Mazda commercials or Jeep commercials or something because or Lululemon, Lululemon commercial. Yeah, I don't know if they do commercials, but they could. But, tell them to reach out to the agent. Uh, any and all any and all suitors are welcome. But uh, no, I actually had a. Uh, a, a car appointment. I had to get some new brakes put on my, my beautiful 2007 Jeep Patriot. She's low mileage. She's, she gets the job done. Uh, I brought her in, said, you know, I'm feeling some grinding up front in the brakes. And uh, I'm sitting in the waiting room, sat there for about, you know, he said, it's going to be about an hour and a half. You want to hang out? I was like, yeah, no problem. So I sat there, you know, I'm just scrolling Twitter. Guy comes back out with what looked like like a, a small brochure of problems that were <laughs> that were on my car. He's like, "So your your coaxial's got an issue. Your transmission fluid needs to be a updated. lot of words that you've never your, heard. Before. No, I had no idea. Front yeah. shocks are shot. Back shocks are going to need to be done in the next three months. You need new brake pads. You need new brakes. You're grinded down to this. You're doing that. I go, all right. Well, like round it up. What what's the final figure looking like? He's like. We're looking at like forty five hundred in maintenance here, and now mind you, this is this is a car that I just put a couple G's into to get out here to California. I wanted to make sure you know I'm driving three days across country. We you didn't to break sure down. Wanted to make sure everything was yeah, it was copacetic. So I brought it in, in in Lincoln, and apparently the people in Lincoln missed all of this shit, or they're just pardon me, they're just uh, they're, they're just running a racket over here at Jeep, but. That being said, all of these issues, it was essentially a totaled vehicle. So I said, you know, why don't you show me something on the lot? And yesterday turned into a brake consultation turned into the purchase of a new vehicle. So uh, we, are now, um, we are now leasing, went, went the leasing route. Uh, we're now leasing a beautiful 2018 Jeep Compass. Uh, black on black, little chrome hits on black, it. Black uh, on black's a great color combination for a car, by the way, if I do say looks, so myself. Looks great. She rides like a dream. Drove her off the lot with 24 miles on the odometer. So, now, now uh, how, did, I, I won't ask what, what you paid because that's, that's mm-hmm. rude, but did, okay. how are the negotiating skills? Did you, get, did you get yourself a good deal? Well, they were really good, and not, okay. to, not to toot here, but I'm about to toot too. Big um, shock. Joe, Joe thinks he did a great job. One of the one of the guys at the dealership happened to be a CBS viewer. He's like, "Oh, you're yeah, we've been enjoying you for the last couple of months. Like, you do a great job, this and that." And so we made nice. We made nice before we of even started talking did. numbers. Okay, so there's obviously the guy in the office who my salesperson goes back to to get the number. So the sales guy was an awesome dude, huge Kings fan. So we're BS and talking, and uh, comes out with the number for the 24 month, the 36 month, and uh, so we keep talking this and that. I kind of divert him a little bit. I go, 
you know, can you run back in there, see if you could squeeze a little, see if you could squeeze a little extra out of him. Like, is this, is this a final number? Let me go check. So he goes in there, checks. He's like, all right, this is the final number, but we're going to give you this for the, for the 07, so I traded in my Jeep. Gave me an awesome thing. I walked out of there. I didn't spend a dime yesterday. It was zero down. It was, it was a beautiful experience. They took care of me. The good people over Baxter uh, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, I believe is the, the list there, in Sacramento. If you're ever looking for a car in Northern California, you go I'm to sure we have a lot of listeners looking for a car in Northern California. Tell them That's Joe very relevant. Sent you. That's very you tell relevant. Them Joe can we, can we talk sports now? Yeah, let's do it. Like we talk oh, some sports. Yeah. I do, I do, I do appreciate a good car buying story. I practically grew up on them with my father. But that said, it's, this is a sports gotta, podcast. This is yeah, this is not a car buying podcast, Joe. You got to haggle a little bit. You got to haggle. But, that, that, uh, there, there's the life lesson. <laughs> let's uh, let's jump right into it, Matt. Uh, can we talk so, NCAA tournament? Can yeah, we, man. Can we talk it some was hoops. Just round one and two. Uh, it was. Not to be verbose or over the top, but it was breathtaking. It was f- fantastic action. It had everything. Know, you don't know anything about these basketball teams. Maybe a few people know the field really, really well, like like even starting five. Like You don't know the starting five of these teams. Uh, maybe a handful of them, Big Ten teams or your team, whoever you follow. And just I found that having that um, obliviousness almost to who these teams were even adds to it. You know, these... These are these are stories that you're learning about, and Sister Jean at Loyola, and and all of these other upsets that happened. The first year, I believe, since 1975 or something, to the effect that no one seed makes it to the Sweet 16. It was it's it was a historic couple week couple days of basketball. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I think it was the the exclamation point on all of that was locally here. I think Loyola has probably been yep. the story of the tournament, uh, but. The thing that you kind of said there struck chord with me most is nobody really knows what they're talking about. Is because experts, for the most part, you had I think two experts in Jay Williams and I'm forgetting which other ESPN expert was another big name. All had Arizona going to the Final Four and I think winning, couple of winning at all. And what do they do? They go out and get blown out by Buffalo in the first round. The, probably the second most popular pick or one of the most popular picks is Virginia. They lose by 20 to a 16 seed. I mean. They, North Carolina gets North Carolina got blown. The door is blown. I mean, I, I watched pretty much all of that game, and A and M is. I mean, now people are saying it after that game happened, but they're one of the most underrated teams in the country. And now, you yep. know, people are saying to win, they're healthy and they're firing. They, I mean, they think they were a preseason top ten team, so they do have kind of that talent there. I think they just had that up and down year. And then in Loyola's region, the highest possible seed they can go to the Final Four is a five, yeah, in Kentucky, and they're by no means dominant. I don't think they are. A lock by any means to get in the final four from them from there. Absolutely. And Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce a couple off of you here. Sure. I want to just get your knee-jerk takeaways here. Who who emerged as the favorite through rounds one and two for you? I think it's Villanova. Uh okay. short very, very closely followed as much as it pains me to say by Duke. Duke, uh, Duke is my pick. And I picked Duke to win it all at the start of things, and I was pleasantly surprised because that was just kind of a a shot in the dark because again, it's just yeah. one of the teams. It, it's one of the teams that I had a sample size on this mm-hmm. year, so I felt comfortable choosing Duke. And those first two games, they look fantastic. They're gonna they have a matchup with a Rhode Island team now that they should handle. Well, they and know the, the Rhode Ro- Island was the second. Pardon me. They pardon me. They beat, they beat Rhode Syracuse Island. They have a matchup now. with Syracuse now. Yeah, so that was. It's I mean, it's a battle of the two three zones, Joe. You know how much it, I love a good two three zone. Back and, in. Back in college intramurals, the Bloomington Beef played a two-three zone for two years. But if all, you remember all, correctly. all things considered, uh, the Bloomington Beef—that was, that was the name. All things considered, Matt, this should be another 
pretty manageable game for Duke here. This isn't the Syracuse team that we're used to. This is a play-in team. This no, is an eleven. This is an eleven seed. They're. I mean, they're they're a team that always. I mean, Beheim like what Izzo, I guess, used to be, and not so much the last couple of years. But Beheim seems to be like a guy who always has his team ready to go come March, yes, no matter absolutely. where they are in the standings, what they've done in the regular season. He knows how to coach. And I think preparing for that two-three zone on such short notice, I think, it is very difficult for teams. But Duke has now had Duke. I think has seen them, if not twice, at at, at least once this year. Um, they they've had you know though they'll have had a week, if not you know a little bit less to uh, to prepare for it. Yeah. And Syracuse, while they play good defense and all that, they kind of need to win in that low-scoring kind of. Mm-hmm. They're drag them out battle. Anemic. It, it, it is. It, it, it seems like a team where if Duke is able to get out to a ten-point lead. That's it. If Duke has a double-digit lead in the second half, that's probably it because Syracuse just really can't score them, and Duke scores so well, and Marvin Bagley yeah. rebounds the ball so well that they're really not going to have much of a chance. So that's why I don't. I, Syracuse has been a nice story, and Michigan State was a team that they were able to beat because Michigan State's not an elite scoring team by any means, and that they were mm-hmm. shooting terribly. But Duke, I yep. think, is going to. I mean, it might be close for a half, but I think Duke's going to win that game by 10, 15 it- points. And not to get ahead of ourselves because uh, KU has a matchup with Clemson that should be a pretty solid ball game. How about but Clemson beating elite- Auburn by like forty? I know that that uh, I'm looking at it right here, eighty four to fifty three. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a blowout there. But uh, a an elite eight matchup between um, Kansas and Duke could make for uh, an instant classic. So that should be one that we're looking forward to there. And I, I didn't think I'd say it. No, no, nothing against the state of Nebraska. Loved my time there, but. Uh, that uh, that Sweet Sixteen round is is going down in Omaha, so kind of missing, uh, kind of missing out there. You're, you're might, missing out there. You could have been covering that one. Unable to swing by and say hello to my guy, Coach K. But uh, uh, okay, Matt, let's let's look at some other parts of the bracket here. Sure. I want to know, you know, let's take it back. First, second round. What's the moment that stands out to you? Because for me, as much as it pains me to say it, it's the Michigan buzzer beater. I thought that was. Fantastic! He got a freshman averaging six points a game, knocked down a buzzer beater. He did it in high school. It's just these storylines are so deeply embedded that they make for amazing moments. I, in all good consciousness, cannot say a Michigan moment was my favorite <laughs> moment from the tournament. You're, you're a better fair. man than I am, maybe or worse. That's I don't fair. know. Uh, for me, it's it Loyola's buzzer beater against Miami. Um, I'm not like heavily rooting for Loyola. I, I've actually mm-hmm. uh, kind of been on the other side of some of those those games. I won't lie to you. Um, but that that moment against Miami, where it was Dante Ingram lift up, I was actually at work in the newsroom, and pretty much the entire newsroom was had their eyes glued, glued to that TV, and it kind of erupted with a big cheer when they hit. And yeah. I know I, some of the guys I work with are you know Loyola grads who are close to the team and all that. So it was. Well, I'm not heavily invested in it. seeing that moment. That buzzer beater was really, really cool for me. Awesome. And it was, I mean, it, it was a late buzzer beater in March from an 11 seed. Say what you want about Michigan, it was still you know a three seed beating a six or a seven, whatever Houston was. So I, I, that underdog story for me, especially the local ties and all that, I, I think that's it for me. And now the buzzer beater in the first round you're talking about. Yeah, the, second the, the, round the one to beat Miami. Technically a buzzer beater. Okay. Well, technically the, the be- first one wasn't. I mean, I think they left like 0.2 seconds on it. But no, that's the, yeah. yeah. But do you remember that individual's name that knocked down that shot? Dante Ingram. Dante Ingram, thank you. Yeah. Dante Ingram. Simeon Dante Ingram was teammates with Norvell Jr. from Gonzaga yep. at Simeon. Mm-hmm. And there, so it would have been Norvell's sophomore year, Dante's freshman year, 
Jabari Parker's senior oh, year. God. They all played on the same team. That was the class four race. I hope that I was going to say, I hope like, that how team do you not, state how do you not win a state championship. <laughs> Joe, I that? think that team could have won a state championship with you and me coaching it or Three you and me that. in the starting lineup. <laughs> me and you playing the one and two Norvell, Ingram, and Parker. <laughs> oh, goodness. But yeah, that was a, a heck of a Simeon ball club. So they're showing out for. Uh, for, for the Chicagoland area, there's no doubt about that. They got a tough matchup here with Nevada, too, because obviously Nevada's not, you know, what people think Miami or Tennessee were, but at the same time, Nevada's had their share of moments in this tournament, too. They came from behind to beat Texas in, mm-hmm. you know, in the first round, and then what was it? Uh, not say, who did they beat? Uh, why am I drawing a blank on who they beat? Cincinnati in the second round. They yes. came back for what, 22, 22 down in the last like, nine Unreal. minutes. Now, Cincinnati Unreal. absolutely did everything they could to give them that game, but. At the same time, they still had to come back from down twenty-two, so they kind of got their own story too. And th- that's really a—that's the matchup of the the teams of destiny to me. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think whoever wins that game has a really good chance of—I would—I don't think Kansas State's going to beat Kentucky, so I, I think whoever wins that game has a chance to beat a very hot and cold Kentucky team in, in the Elite Eight. Yeah, and it was uh, like we said, just a fantastic first and second round. But let's move it forward here a little bit, Matt. When you picked your final four, I don't know if we went over it. Who was in your final four? Oh, how many? How many are left? And who would you like to put in your current final I, four? I think I got. I think Purdue is the one team I have left. Who I okay. would absolutely it, love where I was at if Isaac Haas didn't have yeah, a broken Haas elbow. Was Purdue. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I still think they're in a winnable region. We'll kind of mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. Even though Villanova is my favorite, I probably change that though if I'm if I'm redrafting here to to you know Villanova, Duke. I would say. Honestly, the way Texas A&M looked against North Carolina, if they keep playing that way, I think they're going to the Final Four. Yeah, that's um, it. I, I think the winner of that Texas A&M-Michigan game probably goes to the Final Four, but since I will never pick Michigan, I'll take Texas A&M there. Alrighty. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm still going to say Kentucky uh, okay. comes out of that, that South region, but I that whoever wins out of Nevada Oil, I think is going to give them a hell of a game. Yeah. I uh, personally, my South region is just dead in the water. Oh, I had, Joe, welcome I had to the club. Arizona, Everyone's is dead in the water. I had Arizona, Tennessee in that in that matchup, but uh, still, three of my my five my final four are alive. Uh, One Gonzaga, of them. <laughs> Gonzaga, Villanova, Duke, all alive. I have the final between Duke and Gonzaga, so that's still alive as well. So I'm doing pretty well in in the the office pool. So uh, some some good stuff there. So I guess if I could make a change. My only change would be getting Arizona out because obviously that's that's not didn't uh, happen. It's not a viable option there anymore. So, uh, but it's been some great basketball, Matt. Some great moments, and hopefully this uh, this second weekend of basketball doesn't disappoint. And I doubt it will because some great matchups coming up in the NCAA. The only part uh, that always stinks is when you get to this weekend, like you're you're back, you're in tournament mode. We were, and you know, before that we were in conference tournament mode. And you you kind of get used to like, all right, come Thursday we got basketball from noon until eight. Yeah, there's just and then Thursday rolls around. It's like, oh wait, we have to. I have to wait till six. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with my with my day here? There's supposed to be it's basketball the, on. It's the divisional weekend paradox in yeah. the NFL. We love the divisional weekend just because there's a ton of football. And as you move on in the playoffs, you get less and less of the game you love, and you just have to learn how to cope. I guess you're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit, little bit of football, man. Ooh. Some big free agency moves. The Chicago Bears uh, active once again. Uh, a lot of the, the, the big-name analysts are loving what the Bears are doing. I, myself, am pretty encouraged by what they're doing. Um, still, some moves can be made, but uh, break it down for us, Matt. What, what have you liked thus far out of Bears free agency? They go 
fill a wide receiver need a couple with a couple different guys. Uh, it yeah, I was going like, to say, I think we, we last it left seems like with Robinson, a, yeah, Daniel, and Burton were the, were the three we covered last time, right? Yeah, and it seems like in two weeks' time, they've, they've really shored up that position grouping. Yeah, I, I love the addition of Taylor Gabriel. He's another mm-hmm. just a burner slot guy, a burner who can beat fits, people deep. He can run you know, run routes. Fits what Nagy wants to exactly. do. Exactly, kind of. he does what he did. What he, he does what those guys did so well for for Nagy in Kansas City. He's, I think he's he's, he's a Tyree Kill type. I, think. I was going to say I was going to compare him to you know he's DeAnthony Thomas, but a lot exactly. better because yeah. I'm afraid to compare anybody to Tyree he's Kill. Somewhere at this point. okay, let's yeah, put him. He's on, in the middle on, on of a scale two. on a scale of DeAnthony Thomas to Tyree Kill. He falls somewhere between the two. I think the two guys the Bears have to play those two roles, I don't think either of them are better than Tyreek Hill, but I think both of them are much better than DeAnthony Thomas, I guess, if that yes. helps. Cohen and, and, mm-hmm. and Gabriel. Uh, I, I mean, I think Trey Burton gives them tremendous depth as kind of a more playmaking, receiver-ish, athletic tight end, and I think Shaheen gives them a little bit more of a red zone target blocking type. But uh, Cody Parkey, hopefully they finally solidified the kicker position for the first time, and it seems like yeah. however many years. Uh, even Robbie Gold's last year was year here was he was terrible. I don't know what you got going on there, Joe. Why don't you turn the volume off? I, I just had an ad pop yeah, up here on the, on the laptop, but we're we're back in business. We're okay, back well, that, well, that's what I'm looking for. You, you threw me off. Um, <laughs> I apologize. And then, I mean, I, I don't think Chase Daniel can be um, overlooked here. I, I, I don't know how many snaps he's going to play. I know he's, I, I built a couple graphics for him. Joe is actually kind of depressing to build his career stats. He's thrown 73 passes and I believe he has taken for, I, I believe it's taken per pass attempt. He's earned $91,000 in his career mm-hmm. per pass and attempt. Sign me up for that Joe. God bless you. God bless you, Chase Daniel. But we saw him do when he was at Mizzou. I mean, he was he was a, a he world was a star beater, at Mizzou. Him and Jerry throwing Mack. the ball sixty times a game, and it was fun to watch. But like you said, you cannot downplay the importance of a backup quarterback in the NFL. I'd love to see, and I don't have the number in front of me right now, but I'd love to see how many teams last year had a quarterback that played every single meaningful snap. And talking mm-hmm. when I say meaningful, non garbage time up on yeah. twenty eight, like. How many quarterbacks went uninjured through six, 16 weeks of football plus playoffs? And I, I, I'd guess zero. I'd honestly guess zero. But you got to have a guy behind your number one who is at least serviceable. And we did not, not have that last year. Not relying. Yes. And we have not had that in years. Like, no. not relying. Not last year's quarterback, last year's quarterback situation was weird because coming in with Glennon as your one, Trubisky as your two, obviously you had a serviceable backup because your backup was better than your starter. But when you flip flop that and you look at who's behind in, in years past, when you're looking at Hoyers and Barclays and other guys, it, it just never felt solid. I don't know if it feels solid with Chase Daniel there, but at least it's somebody, a it's recognizable somebody, it's name. It's a recognizable name who's done a job backing up these bigger names before. But I, I think for me, Joe, it's, he has so much experience in this system. And you, you, people always say with young quarterbacks, you know, it's tough changing up you know, an offensive coordinator, offensive system right away because it might stunt their development, and that might be a little bit true with Trubisky. But at the same time, this basically gives him another assistant coach, another guy who's mm-hmm. been there, another guy in the room who knows what basically the, the ins and outs of this entire offense, who can be there every step of the way with Mitch, who can be in the film room with him, you know, pretty much at all times. That's basically in his press conference what he said his job was. He said, obviously I'm here, you know, first and foremost to perform if I have to, if it gets to that, but I'm I'm here for I'm here to help Mitch. I'm here to help 
get this guy where he needs to be and help him move him along in this offense. So, you know, when we get to opening day, when we get that first game, he's ready to go. And, and I, I don't think that experience in this offense can be underrated. And you absolutely love to hear something like that and just have that positivity running in the room early on. So that's mm-hmm. definitely a good thing. So with that said, Matt, and all these acquisitions that have happened, where do the Bears go in the draft now? Do you think they start looking at offensive line seriously in that first line first I, round? I think you have to. I just I don't think Quentin Nelson's going to get there. Uh, the, the more I think, the more I see what's going on in the draft. I know the Jets traded up. I know there's more of a chance that a guy like Nelson or Minka Fitzpatrick drops to the Bears. But unless if Denver, I think Denver's going to snag Quentin Nelson at five, and I don't really think there's a tackle worthy of taking. At eight, mm-hmm. so unless the Bears want to trade back, um, I, I don't think they're going to take a, a tackle there or an offensive lineman in the first round. That said, Ryan Pace ended up with Cody Whitehair in the second round a couple of years ago, so he, he knows how to identify talent, I think, in the mid to late rounds. Not going to surprise me if they move back in one of those either first round or second round pick to try and get a third round pick as well. Maybe cool. grab a lineman, kind of one of the mid rounds. But I, unless it's Quentin Nelson, I, I don't see them taking a lineman early, and I don't think Nelson's going to get there. Yeah, and. Uh it was not only new acquisitions, but the Bears uh, re-upping with a lot of names already on the roster. You got Pat O'Donnell coming back. They match for Kyle Fuller, which I love to see, especially because it was the Packers. Mm-hmm. That was that was huge. Uh, they brought back Bryce Callahan. They signed Josh Bellamy, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't where get what, what does Josh him. Bellamy have on somebody in that organization. That's what uh, yeah, I don't, he's got I don't something know. on somebody. <laughs> he's he is it. one of the worst um, wide receivers I've ever seen play football. He's they uh, they put the tender on Cam Meredith. They re-upped with Prince of Mukamura and Sam Acho. So a, a lot of the, the a lot of needs being taken care of. The re-upping of Amukamara for especially it was I know it's a three year deal, but I I don't remember what guaranteed money was, so it's probably not mm-hmm. guaranteed. Obviously, all three, but that leads me to believe that they're unless Minka Fitzpatrick falls to them at eight, which it, he then he's you know you have to take him. Which yeah. I, I don't think he does. I don't think they're going to go defensive back there either. I, I think you'll yep. see them probably go with either Tremaine Edmonds out of Virginia Tech or uh, Roquan Smith out of Georgia. I think it'd be a little bit more of a reach. I think their their pick probably ends up being Tremaine Edmonds because he was a middle guy, but I think he's only 19 years old, and people say he really has the skill set to develop into an outside edge rusher. And w- without that elite edge rushing presence in that top 10 so so far this year. I think they might have to take a risk on a guy like that. Yep. Um, Matt, with with all of this being said, and I, I want to zoom in here on Kyle Fuller a little bit. Sure. And I just want to warn you and prepare you, if Kyle Fuller comes out and lays an egg weeks one, two, and three, has no interceptions, has no forced fumbles, has two tackles, I'm going to lose my mind. Because coming out of college, we saw a guy – who it took a long time for him to get up to speed. Finally, last season, it seemed like he was as advertised. And was that because he finally was feeling comfortable in Vic Fangio's defense or whatever the other reasons were? Or was it because he was in a contract year and he knew he had to go out there and play some ball? If this is a guy whose play regresses in the first quarter of this next season, I'm going to be really unhappy. We'll see. Uh, And I I, I won't. It's I, wouldn't a worry disagree. Of mine. I wouldn't disagree with you, and I, I think not, it's a very valid worry. I'm not saying that worry. it's going to happen, but it's but a worry of mine. I, I, I hate, you know, I don't like repeating myself, Joe, but I, I feel like I do this a lot on this podcast with, <laughs> when it comes to NFL contracts. The guaranteed money is 18 mil, so yeah. he's basically guaranteed next year. He's making, what, 14 this year? So if they want to 
if, if it doesn't go well this year, which I don't think they cut bait with him after only one year, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, there's really no penalty. This is really just more of like a two-year deal. Yeah. And he's still got to go out and prove it if he wants that money. That's the, the nice thing, I guess, about these NFL contracts. Is at, from a fan or an owner standpoint, for the players, it's terrible. But mm-hmm. if, if he's not rolling in two years, if he's not doing what they want, they can cut him and he doesn't get that money. And then he doesn't get paid and he loses however many millions of dollars that is. Yeah, But that's well, it. I, I'm with you. But they, they had to do it. They couldn't let... They no, had, I agree. They kind of I missed agree. on all the cornerback targets and free agency. They couldn't let him walk to Green Bay and you know basically risk him going out and being lights a lights out corner for Green Bay for the next four yep. years. No, I totally agree with that. Green Bay making some big moves also with uh, Jimmy weird, Graham weird getting into the fold. Like, yeah, is is Jimmy Graham over Jordy Nelson that much of an upgrade? I don't. I don't think so. I think it changes what you have to do offensively. Jimmy Graham is still improved at last season. One of the top red zone threats in the yeah, league. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I think true. he scored seven touchdowns in the red zone last season, and he's just a, a solid target in there. But when you lose a guy like Jordy Nelson, I think you're. I think what they were doing there is they're parlaying futures, and I think they thought. I think they think that Jimmy Graham has more left in the tank than Jordy Nelson, but I think Jordy Nelson still has a lot left in the tank. He's going to be a solid target for Derek Carr out in uh, in Oakland because Derek Carr loses Michael Crabtree, mm-hmm. and I think Jordy Nelson s- slides right into that role really nicely. I think the bigger pickup actually for Green Bay was getting Mo Wilkerson on that uh, on their defense. Yeah. I know he had a down year or two with the Jets, but you know, when he first started out that career, he was seen as one of the elite defensive ends in all football and now he's kind of on a one-year prove-it deal in a new system where they have a history of kind of rejuvenating guys there so I think he'll be a very interesting addition to that defense and a defense that really needs a lot of help too they've been terrible and all banged up the last couple years and kind of need they they hadn't really had much of an edge presence since I guess Julius Peppers when he was there for a couple years but even he was kind of slowed down Mm-hmm. Matt, let's wrap up Bears talk here with one final thought. Uh, obviously, a lot of big moves at the wide receiver position for the Bears. I'm really happy with how that's gone, but there is another big name out there in Alan Hearns. Do we see a uh, a what's the word I'm looking for? A reunion? A, a reunion? There you go. There Thank you. Go, you. Do we you're, see? Usually, a- you're the wordsmith. <laughs> it's early. I'm still drinking my coffee sure out enough. here. Um, do we see a reunion of Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson? I mean, it's if the price is right, yes. Um, I know they've already, re- according to Hearns, the Bears have already reached out to him. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he's got some visits scheduled uh, elsewhere, but I mean that's normal in free agency. Uh, usually, see a guy sign right away. Um, th- they're going to reach out to him, and if the price is right, it makes a whole lot of sense because this receiver draft isn't. It, it, it's not. There's not much top end talent. While we said there's some depth there, I think if you can go address this and need in free agency, you still need to use some depth picks on other positions. Um, and, and Alan Hearns, I, he had a down year a little bit last year, but in 2015, when him and Robinson were both firing on all cylinders, they combined I think for 24 touchdowns and something yeah, like a, 30, 3,000 yards, something like that. So those two. That's were a top end one two punch in the league. That's, they were an elite combination with. A quarterback in Blake Bortles who had not come anywhere near close to reaching his potential that we saw last year. So that, that yeah. that's an elite one-two punch if you can get that surrounded by, you know, Taylor Gabriel, hopefully a, a, a healthy Cam Meredith again, and then you got a pretty darn good core. 
Yeah, and and when you get two guys that have played together and that really value each other mm-hmm. and can, can line up next to each other outside, I think that just makes the transition process that much easier. You know, it feels like home right mm-hmm. away. And Robinson dealing, clearly wanted to be tweeted at him right away. Yeah, when you're dealing with, um, I don't know, the wide receiver position guys can be divas. I'll be the first one to say it. No, but, you uh, were never one of those. <laughs> no, I, I think it's fair to say that I wasn't. But sure. you, yeah, let's you, say that. making the situation as comfortable as possible is important for these guys, especially at the level we're talking about here with professional football. I, I would totally agree, and I think bringing any position play, any player, NFL player, into a new system, new team, new town, the comfort level is important, and, and yeah, as much of that as you can provide, I think it helps. And I, I Com- think this would be a very logical spot for them because we've said we think they still need another receiver, and that would mm-hmm. be coming in the draft. If they add Alan Hearns, I don't think they need to add a receiver in the draft. I really don't. That's comfort- provided they bring back Cam Meredith as well. Well, Matt, it should be an interesting close to the offseason. Let's pivot here a little bit, talk some Blackhawks hockey. Uh, give us a little post-mortem here. First time since 2007? 08. That was 2007, 2008. That, um, uh, that the Hawks will not be headed to the playoffs. So it, I don't it, know if you want to call it fatigue, injury, a mixture of all of the circumstances, but it will... I'm going to try and spin this as a positive. It will be a welcome rest for these guys who have been playing a season and a half for the last decade now. It, 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 it'll be a nice rest and all that, and, and, and sure. Uh, but I, I know these guys would much rather all be, you know, not take that rest and play in playoff yep. hockey. That said, it, when Corey Crawford went down and at the at the time, we didn't know it was for the season, but for the season – that's when this team really lost any chance they had. Uh, I've said mm-hmm. it a couple times here. For as good as the Central Division is, I mean, the Blackhawks were the, are the first team in the Central to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and even that was not until eight games left in the season with how bad they've been down the stretch and all that. It's the best division in hockey. It's not even close. Even like three weeks ago, Mark Lazarus tweeted something along the lines of the Blackhawks You know, in in. A, I think he said the Atlantic division would be three points out of a playoff spot, and that was playing you know half a season without Corey Crawford and all the injuries, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not totally down on where this team's at. I still think they have a lot of young firepower. I, I think Corey Crawford is going – if he comes back healthy, which I believe he will be, I, I don't have a reason to not think that next year. Um, I really just think they are you know an impact, to, impact player or two additional away from being – a Stanley Cup contender again. I, I think you see things change in hockey fairly quickly, you know, from one year to the next. And there's still so much firepower on this team. I just think they kind of got into quicksand a little bit. They didn't really have their their fail safe and Corey Crawford to bail them out when they were slumping. And that was the difference this year than you know in, in the past years, even years they won the cup. There were stretches where Corey Crawford would go on runs. Hell in the playoffs, even sometimes. In series against the Wild, Corey Crawford went on these runs where the Hawks weren't playing that well. They are getting outplayed, but they had their goalie who would back them up. And they did not have that this year by any means. Yeah, it, it just goes to show how valuable Corey Crawford is between the pipes and how valuable you know, top-tier perennial goaltending is in this game and how far it gets you. You know, We focus on the mm-hmm. Kane, the Taze getting sharp back and all these Patrick Kane is the is the most talented player one of the most talented players in the NFL Jonathan Taves one of the greatest leaders in the NFL Duncan Keith I still NHL. think NHL sorry NHL, you did it, you did it I twice say? I know oh, you know uh, um, Duncan Keith I think when he's when he's on and he's totally focused and it is still a, a top two defenseman in the NHL um, but I, I don't go. think there is a doubt after this year that the the MVP of this team the, the most valuable player to this team 
is Corey Crawford. Um, yeah. they, they need to make some additions on the blue line, but he masked a lot of those growing pains in the past and I think would have this year. But they, they need those those guys on the blue line to take a couple steps forward. They need the young guys in Schmaltz and Dabrinkit to, to take even more steps forward. Those two are outstanding this year. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit's got a shot at 30 goals, but they kind of need those two guys to take another step forth in their prog- uh, progress. And I think they'll be right back where they want to be next year if they can add a, you know, a, a piece or two. So, Matt, I think that goes without saying between the Bulls and the Hawks, two teams that have recently been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention this year, you think that the Hawks are still championship playoff ready quicker than the Bulls? And I, I mean, I, 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 it's, I yeah, they are 100% championship ready. It's playoff ready is a weird question because you can be a good NHL team, and especially in this division. Mm-hmm. and not make the playoffs because of how good it is and with how bad the Eastern Conference is. It can be the, the Bulls might have a chance at a playoff bid with a losing record next year. Who knows? But, yes, yeah. if I'm if I'm betting, uh, I'm betting that the, the Blackhawks are back there before the Bulls are. Well, Matt, should be something that we will keep an eye on. It's going to be a longer offseason than we are accustomed to, but uh, Blackhawks hockey will be back before we know it. The shortest offseason in sports uh, going to be a little longer. And that was Matt's season. hockey four minutes. That was Matt's Hockey 4 Minutes. We appreciate it, and we we hope to be bringing, bringing more of a positive spin on Blackhawks hockey in the coming months here. I won't get a hockey uh, minute for a while now. I mean, we'll yeah, talk we'll to still, the playoffs here and there, but I don't we'll think... Still, yeah, we'll still have play. to hit the playoffs. There'll be some big moments we'll have to, we'll have to touch upon. Yeah, we still got to love uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's keep it moving here, Matt. Talk a little baseball spring training coming to a close opening day just over a week away. You can taste it. Pitchers and catchers. It's all behind us. Spring is behind us. It's getting to that point where you're just itching for the first pitch. Um, first pitch going to be thrown uh, for the White Sox by James Shields. And uh, we were talking a little bit in pre-production. Uh, you don't necessarily love that decision. I don't. Um, I, I've heard you know the arguments. Uh, the argument for James Shields is uh, a obviously he's the veteran of the staff, and even though he's mm-hmm. been good, you know he's he's a guy who's been there before and. And B, you know, people are saying, you know, Lucas Giolito, I think, was the the other logical option. And people are saying, well, you know, no need to throw him into a, you know, a big start. You know, why take a chance on shaking confidence and all that? And yeah, but how big of a, not to interrupt, but how I, big of a start it's not, is opening it, day? It is not a big you know? start in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. But you, uh, have you been to an opening day before, Joe? If, I have. If not, I know you've watched them on TV. People have. Opening day is a big feel for everybody, and whether whether the, the game means more, game one means more than game eighty three or eighty four. People get juiced up for opening day. People treat the beginning of the season a lot more with, with a lot more interest, with a lot more eyes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more attention on you those those days. And while people are saying, you know, you know, Lucas Giolito, you know, when the Sox get good, he's not going to be their ace. You know, he's more their three or their four. You know, he doesn't need as much big game experience. I argue that, yeah, he probably projects to be your three or four, but don't forget, Lucas Giolito was the, I think he was the number one prospect in all of baseball just two or three years ago. And you don't know yet who's going to be your, your ace of that staff. It projects to be Michael Kopech right now, but a lot of things can happen in two years. And mm-hmm. while, while opening day might not have the biggest impact on the standings, I guarantee you it is a bigger start than, you know, day three, pit, you know, game 67, whatever you want to call it. And I, I like getting these younger guys. A, the, you know, experience in these bigger type moments. So when they get to these bigger type moments in a year or two, yeah. they, while they, it They're is their first time in there, in like in the actual playoff type moment, it's not mm-hmm. their first big game moment. They're not overwhelmed. And B, Lucas Giolito was arguably the White Sox, not only best pitcher, best player down the stretch last year. He, he finished with an ERA in the twos. I want to reward the kid for 
basically he was up and down. He was seen as almost a bust coming here. The, the Nationals had given up on him. He he basically revived his his career here with the White Sox. Don Cooper helped him out, and he bounced back, and he was a pretty dominant pitcher down the stretch. I want to reward the young kids for that. There's nothing against James Shields, but he's not going to be here in the, in the long run. I want to start getting people familiar with these names and getting these names familiar with the spotlight. Yeah, Matt, and you make great points there. But just I'm wondering how comfortable, how excited, how what's your what's your feel on this White Sox pitching staff? Do you think that this is a staff that can win more than 500? Like win, uh, I, I do. win more than half of their games this season? Uh, I, I think it's a staff that's going to be just fine. I don't think James Shields is as bad as he's you know he was two years ago, and I think last year had a little bit of a bounce back year. Obviously, it wasn't great, but he wasn't brutal. I think. I have no reason to believe that Giolito and Lopez won't take another step forward. Um, I, I think they'll hopefully get a healthy Carlos Rodon back in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Miguel Gonzalez, he's going to go out and he's going to be a 500 pitcher and have an ERA in the low fours and do what a fifth starter should. And I, I think this is going to be a very serviceable rotation. I think the bullpen is going to be fine for a little while, and then Rick Hahn's going to sell those parts for some more bigger name prospects. I think Joachim Soria, they're hoping, comes back to kind of that elite closer form, release something close to it so they can flip him for a prospect. And I think they'll flip their bullpen parts kind of like they did last year. So down yeah. the stretch, they crumble a little bit again. And this is kind of going to be their last year of, of following that formula, if you ask me. All right. Well, the White Sox open up on Thursday the 29th at Kansas City. Divisional rival right off the bat should be a good one. Uh, and then they have that awkward day off between uh, – I hate that because you get so juiced one up two. for opening day, and then you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> yeah. I don't get to watch it. It falls dead pan the next day. The Cubbies, on the other hand, will be opening up in Miami. Bienvenidos, uh, taking on the Marlins, the hapless Marlins. Oh, God, uh, such, a to bad, start off, such a bad baseball team. Yeah, to start off their season, uh, John Lester will tow the rubber in the opener for the Cubbies. So baseball just around the corner should be a blasty blast. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to because that also means Matt Summers here. You know, can, Summers right around the corner. Can you do me a favor? Yeah, never say never blasty say blast blasty again. blast again on this uh, podcast. Okay, well I like blasty okay, blast. We know you I'll, try, don't. I'll try. No, and, you don't. I'll try and refrain. Yeah, you just don't try. Just do. All right, Matt. Okay. We are a golf podcast. It's we clear. Are. We know it. Can we I ask you a question it. before we, we get it. into the, the, the conversation that we're going to talk yeah. about? How's the shirt? Yeah, the shirt fits great. I have to thank you on air here. It fits fantastic. It is a great lounger. Uh, it, it's a, a very soft fiber. Shout out mm-hmm. to the guys at Barstool Sports for that great product. I, I, I walked to my mailbox the other day, and I have an unsolicited gift from my podcast partner here. He treats me too well. That's what I do. Uh, make Sundays great again, a red T-shirt with Tiger fist pumping. It's going to be worn while Tiger's in contention, and I'm on the couch. So exactly. those, uh, those will be great moments. That's exactly um, what it's for. Hopefully there's a couple major championships in that shirt. And uh, with the way that Tiger's playing, keeping himself in contention, 10, I believe, 10 or 12 straight rounds under par, uh, or par or better, excuse me. Um, He finished tied for fifth this week. He finished what last week? Tied for... T2 at uh, Valspar. T2 at Valspar. So he's not only top 10 finishes, top five finishes, putting himself in contention. And this week, there there was a watershed moment where it could have gone one or two ways after Friday's round. He grinded. He grinded on Friday and went out and went low on Saturday and then went after it and fired at it on Sunday. So it, there wasn't any quit in this game when there were multiple moments where he could have gone out there and quit. 71-foot putt on, on Thursday. That was amazing. Just, I mean, 
there's only so much skill involved in that, but he's having these moments again. He's putting it all out there, and I think not only is he feeling good, feeling his game coming along, but the rest of the field is feeling Tiger again, too. I think that there are some guys out there who have never played with Tiger in contention, who aren't used to him nipping at their heels, or who aren't used to having to catch him, and those are things that they're going to have to get used to as well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I think the one guy this week who showed that he thrives on that was was absolutely Rory. Yeah, he he stepped up and it was similar to kind of what he. I know he ended up losing that Ryder Cup match with Patrick Reed, but he was step for step going shot for shot with Patrick Reed for the most part. He's a guy who seems to like that big moment. He might be a guy who who could get his first green jacket here. The, you know, if he's competing, if he's there on Sunday, if, if he's putting that way, he's going to get his first green jacket. I think mm-hmm. he birdied what five of the last six holes, but. He seemed like one of the few guys who actually totally shined in the spotlight and didn't shrink when he was going basically toe-to-toe with Tiger on the back nine. I know he was playing behind him, but still. Yeah, Matt, Rory's definitely a guy who rises to that occasion. You can see the competitiveness in him, and almost a, a mirror to Tiger in the sense that he's gone about it in the most... He's taken Tiger's formula of being an athlete who plays golf. A lot of these other guys... They work it into the regimen, but Rory's out there. He looks like he can play defensive back just like Tiger used to be able to, and, mm-hmm. and Tiger once again looks like that. But I always think that Rory has held Tiger to that to that standard that he wants to reach, and will he ever reach that standard? No, I, I don't think any of these guys on tour ever will because it's an unrealistic standard, but I think he sees his bar back out there playing golf and always wants to surpass it when he can. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with you. It, it, um, is he playing this weekend? Do you know if he's at uh, uh, I the believe, match play? I believe he's playing uh, on the European okay. Tour this so he's not, weekend, he's if not I'm not where, mistaken. Where they play? Uh, somewhere in Arizona. I'm not sure. The, the yeah. WDC this week. I know Tiger's not um, there, but this is another Austin. tournament. Austin's okay, that's right. Austin. I'm yeah. really excited to tune into this one because match play is such a fun little like tweet. Yeah. For me, it brings out, I think, those moments that you see, you know, people going back and forth at each other, mm-hmm. you know, on Sunday. It brings out those moments every day of the tournament because you have to win every day if, if you're going to move on. And I know Tiger's not in it. I wish Tiger was in it going one-on-one with some people, but at the same time, it's going to be a fun Tigerless tournament, but I still wish Tiger was playing, Joe. Yeah, it's we're, we're, we yearn for Tiger now, and it'll be interesting to see what his schedule looks like after the Masters because he's played at a pretty fervent rate here, and I don't think that that's going to be how he goes about things. I think this is all a gear-up for the Masters, and he's played this often because he's recognized that his game is heading in the right direction, and he wants to get as many competitive rounds, competitive swings in as he can to get himself ready for uh, that big moment. But after the Masters, between the Masters, U.S. Open, you have a little stretch there where we might not see a much of Tiger, I don't feel like. No, I, I, I'm going to just, it's a total guess, but I, I'm going to guess that he's going to kind of take the same similar approach to all the majors where he's going to kind of take some time off. And then once we get closer to June, you know, late June, he's going to start ramping it up. You'll see him more and more and then give himself a week or two off for the U.S. Open and then same with the British and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, nonetheless, whenever he plays, whenever he speaks, whenever he does anything, we will be watching. How, how do you feel about exciting. his chances at Augusta? Like, actually feel about his chance? I know he's he's the favorite now in, in some of these books, which I still think is – I love Tiger, and I think he can I think it's ridiculous. I think his favorite is ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous, but I also think that it's – you know, that's Vegas parlaying the hype. You yeah. Know, they they want to get people in on this because in the case that Tiger wins – 
all all things considered. There were a lot of people who, when he was hundred to one odds, who put a feeler on him. And Vegas has got to try and balance that off and try and win some money on on another end in case Tiger does win. So mm-hmm. I, I think that these odds are inflated. I think that he's got a good chance to be in contention just because of how well he knows that course, how how he knows how well he knows just everything about Augusta, mm-hmm. the how moment, what, what, the, what, the what it takes what it takes to end up in a green jacket at the end of the week. He knows all of that. My biggest concern is, and my biggest concern with Tiger was his ability to keep up with these guys in terms of distance. That's That concern's gone for me now. He can hit the ball far. He, he He's... Somehow it found he's found power in his game that we haven't seen in a long time, and it looks more effortless than it ever that it has in a long time again, which is a good thing. Can he keep the yeah. driver in play? If he can keep the driver in play, there's no reason why we're not talking about Tiger in the final two three groups on Sunday at Augusta. I think because, he'll be right there on short Sunday. Game, be, his short game, and why. you need you need the short game at Augusta, obviously. But his short game has been the strongest point of his game in this most recent comeback. And we've said it a bunch, like the, in his previous comebacks, it was always the short game that was killing him. He couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. he was, he'd have these short chips and you just have the yips. He couldn't putt. And now he seems to have both of those. If he can straighten out that driver, I, I think he's going to, like you said, be there in the final pairing. I still think he's going to be, you know, somewhere floating around contention on Sunday. I just wouldn't say he's going to win. But that said, with the way he's swinging the club now and the way he's kind of hitting that two iron off the tee, Watch out for him in the British because that's a tournament where I actually think if yeah. he's playing this exact way, there is no reason he would not be the odds. That's a good favorite. point. Yeah, that's a good point. I uh, the, the way he's kind of hitting those low stingers with the two iron, he did it before. What it was I? I think it was the last British he won. I forget where it is, but he had that famous British where he just didn't bring the driver, didn't have it in the bag, hit two iron off the tee all week, and he won by like three or four shots. Yeah, that's that's a good point. We uh, we might see a, another Claret Jug either way. Tiger, a major is a major. <laughs> Tiger in contention is all we ask. Matt, or maybe you, uh, maybe maybe a Phil Tiger pairing on Sunday in Augusta. That, well, now you're asking know. for too much. I know, now but could you? I, I need that, Joe, because those two thrive off each other. Like it's like it's oh four, like it's oh five. Um, Matt, why don't you uh, cue up the music here and hit us with a little? All right. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Now, it came to my attention, this will probably only be relevant for a lot of our Illinois Western listeners, but really anybody who has knowledge <laughs> is, is fine. Uh, it came to my attention to yes, yesterday, I believe it was, and, and you, had, you had heard of it too, so the, the rumor had been spreading that anyone who went to Illinois Wesleyan, especially during our stretch, knows, knows well of the tradition of Killarney's Tuesday. Is, is that not true, Joe? It's a, it's a tradition unlike any other. It really is. Well, some <laughs> nights there'd be 20, some nights there'd be 100, whatever. That, that, that bar always got crowded on a Tuesday, even even during football season sometimes. Uh, it it comes to my attention that that tradition started to die. Were you, were you also aware of this, Joe? I did not know this until yesterday when it started to make its rounds on, uh, on Titan social media. And uh, frankly, I was ashamed. I was I, ashamed. I, I was bothered. I, I was worried. I, I don't know the guys anymore. I don't, anymore. I don't We don't really know. You know, we're, we're old enough now where we've graduated – 
uh, all of the freshmen when we were, when we were seniors have already yeah. graduated. So the extent oh, that we know I, I them is that we've interacted. Our Twitter account has interacted with their barstool account. Exactly. So so let's direct this right at barstool. Uh, what's Titans what is it? dub? Titan, barstool dub. Titan, barstool dub. Bar, shout out to barstool dub. They sent me a sticker too. I gotta get that up on social. They're doing great stuff. But I'm putting this on the shoulders of barstool dub. Get Killarney's Tuesday back to the glory of old. Whether it means that was a, that was tournament. the most fun of the fun night. Whether of the week. it means getting getting a Wesleyan couple Wesleyan girls guys behind the bar, whatever it me- takes to get Killarney's Tuesday back to its glory. Do what you need to do, Barstool Dub. We're putting it on your shoulders. Now I'm going to give them some credit. They do have a tweet from 24 minutes ago uh, about you know people apparently being there last night. So maybe that tradition is starting to get revived after that social media outpouring that even we we caught wind of from people that we don't know but at the same time the fact that that tradition ever died i am i am ashamed of it i'm saddened to hear it i'm very i'm just disappointed the fact that 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 a tradition of tuesday it was not a it was not a tradition that we invented this was this was a tradition passed no it was just it it was a thing by the time we got there i could not tell you of its origins perhaps its origins were back in the 1400s at the originals Killarney's Pub in Dublin. Who knows? Never that know. they'd go there on Tuesday. Who knows? But I knew that maybe for it was four Isaac years, M. Jordan. Who knows? It could have been. But I knew that for four years we had a responsibility to carry that torch every this Tuesday now, night, no matter how you were feeling, what you were doing, what you got out you had, there, what you papers had you had. Couple. You at least swung around for a 32 ouncer. That cost you two dollars plus tip. You threw you threw some darts. Maybe maybe you do a couple a uh, couple O bombs on the way out. But dabble in the really salty popcorn. You avoided the 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 townies that sat at the near end of the bar. Exactly, you, you to went disavoid. to the back. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good times. And and if the excuse is you know people aren't going, no one goes to it anymore. Well, be the person. Be the that person goes. that goes. Lead. Be the person to bring your friends. Incite change. If you go, then people will say people are going. Be the change you want to see in the world and get to Killarney's Tuesday. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but when these kids graduate college and they're <laughs> old here, you'll be mm-hmm. killing to be able to go out on a Tuesday night to, with, to a bar with all of your friends for three hours. Yeah, especially if that bar has carpet on the floor. Exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, we're hoping that the Killarney's, uh, the Killarney's tradition comes back in a big way. It seems like they're back on the right track, but... Barstool Dub, it's on you guys to, to keep this going. Let, let's keep this driving. Don't disappoint us. Don't disappoint the podcast. Don't disappoint all the listeners. Don't disappoint all of those who came before you on Killarney's Tuesday and, and upheld that tradition for however many years it's been going on. With great power comes great responsibility. There you go. That's, hashtag, that's a great way to end this. Hashtag Uncle Ben. Matt, why don't we do a little, little buy or sell? All right, why don't you start us off because I forgot what I was going to ask you. Okay, Matt, buy or sell? And now I know we're kind of towing the line on this one. No disrespect, sure. I, 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 but I feel the question needs to be asked. Sure. Buy or sell the extent of Ty Lue's illness that has drawn him away from the Cleveland Cavaliers, or are there other circumstances? Man, it's it, it's really tough to answer because some of the stuff I've read, like he was, you know, he's he was, left two he was games chest prior pains. to Saturday. He was yeah. co- he coughing up blood a little bit. So he's, Obviously, I'm, not I'm feeling great. I'm gonna buy it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, now, I'm not saying I don't think he could be coaching through this, it, it, but I think if maybe the GM over there, LeBron, didn't want him to take a break, he wouldn't be taking a little bit of a break. But that said, with how bad Cleveland's been kind of doing this year, or bad compared to their standards and all that, and the, the mm-hmm. drama surrounding that team, 
the stress of being the head coach for LeBron and knowing that basically at any time he can pull the plug on you and you're gone. Wouldn't surprise me if he was coughing up blood and had, you know, a stress-induced ulcer that's, or something that's, like there's that. There's a lot that's going on. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So I, I'm going to buy that. The fact that they kind of went into in-depth detail on what is wrong with him that wasn't just a vague, like, he's leaving for health reasons, that mm-hmm. leads me to believe that something is up. I guess we'll see it, how, you know, how quickly he comes back and all that stuff. He, but said, he, was hoping, he said he was hoping to be back next week, which was the only thing that made me lean the other way on it. And I do think that he's got some health issues he's got to take care of but if you're already saying you know i got chest pains i'll be back in a week that just fair doesn't jive that just doesn't jive for me I don't that's know. also that, that that could be fair neither would surprise me but i i, I just i don't know the yeah. coughing up blood thing i think is what got me never never a good sign <laughs> not never a not good a good thing joe <laughs> suboptimal um, all right all let right, me Matt, uh, why don't you hit me all right the uh sports illustrated yesterday Released their their cover the, with their the prediction. Sports Illustrated, the Sports Illustrated, not just <laughs> the Sports University of Sports Illustrated, the Sports Illustrated. You know, okay. um, they have the Nats going all the way, winning World Series, the team that has not won a playoff series, I believe, mm-hmm. in their reemergence as a franchise. So, Joe, buy or sell the Washington Nationals as the favorite to win the World Series? Um, as the favorite. I get close to buying that, but I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. Uh, I think the New York Yankees have the best roster in baseball right now, and they're a tough team. You can't rule out a Houston team that just did some amazing stuff. It's always hard to repeat, but there are so many good teams, competitive teams with experience, mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with way more experience, positive experience than the Nationals. Do I love this national team? Do I love the roster? Do I love the pitching staff? Absolutely. Is it win now or lose Bryce Harper time? I also think that factors into this as well. So there's a lot riding on this season for the Nationals. So I think that they're going to be there. But they have not given me any reason to believe that they're not going to lay another egg. You know, I think that that's, that's what you do. And that's what they do. And, and when you do things like that repeated, repeatedly, it's not coincidence. It, it is who you are, and it becomes who you are. Will they be a playoff team? Absolutely. Will they go all the way? I, I'd stop short of saying that. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I do think it's a different atmosphere, different vibe, getting Dave Martinez in there over actually from the Cubs and, and kind of mm-hmm. getting Dusty out. Um, but they're a team who had, as Cubs fans would even admit to, a very beatable Cubs team, uh, uh, not the – not 2016 Cubs team. They, they had that team kind of beat a couple times in Game 5 of the NLDS last year and just kept letting them back off the hook, back off the hook, and then let Wade Davis, you know, get, what, like a 40-pitch save and three mm-hmm. innings off him. So I, it's not a team that's really done much to address their differences. That pitching team, that pitching staff is still elite and that it's a, as good of a one-two punch as there is in baseball. But I don't – I it, they got to prove it to me before I'm going to call them the, exactly. the, 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 the favorites. Exactly. It, it, as good as the Cubs are, I think if you're not, I, I think the Houston Astros have to be your favorites to win the World Series this year. Probably closely followed by the Cubs and Yankees, would be my guess. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting season nonetheless because there are a lot of talented ball clubs out there. I feel like you know we focus on it with uh, the NBA because rosters are so small and the talent pool is much smaller. But I think there also is a large disparity in talent with what's happened in the MLB over the last few years, where if you don't consider yourself a contender to go all the way, you sell the farm. Yeah. And, and, and that might be the wrong term there because you don't sell the farm. You actually put all you the money the in your actual farm system, but you sell, you sell your assets. You, you go full fire sale on your assets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's led to, uh, 
a gap, a, a, a big pocket of a middle class of talent. There's yeah. no middle class anymore. No, you're I agree. It's very, very good feeders, or you're your bottom feeder. Your bottom feeders building from nothing to try to be that team or you're a contender. So mm-hmm. I think that um, you got you got a league that's split in half right now. All right, why don't you hit me? Matt, buy or sell, and let me find the question here because I forgot it as well. Buy or sell, the Houston Rockets, Western Conference Champions 2018. You know, first off, buy or sell our memories. I mean, both of us, like, we've can't texted remember. each other. We've t- texted our <laughs> like buy or sell questions. Ago? <laughs> I, I think I texted you like 12 hours ago, which is not in the grand scheme of things long by any means. And we're already <laughs> forgetting. I had just had to scroll back to see what my second one is because I already Buy or sell our memories. Oh, sell goodness. those hard. Sell the um, memory. I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm still going to sell on Houston. Okay. Um, I, I kind of like the Nationals. I got to see James Harden do it in the playoffs before I'm going to invest in him, buy him. I know what the Warriors can do in the playoffs. I know how good they are when they're healthy, and I, I think that I don't have reason to believe that they won't all be there when it comes time to face Houston in the Western Conference Finals. So I, I'm going to sell that. Golden State's going to win the West. Golden State's going to win the title, and then they're going to be talking about going for a three-peat next year. I totally felt the same way maybe a week ago, but these don't these injuries don't seem to be just resting your players now. They're, they're with, not, but I still with, think with they'll Draymond, be back. with Draymond going down the other night. You now have all four of your all stars down with a month left in the season, and it, good sign obviously for the Warriors that Steve Kerr came out and said Steph Curry'd be playing on this ankle if it was the playoffs. I, we don't know the extent of this, the extent of the rib injury with Kevin Durant. That sounds like out of the four injuries, it's the most we're resting the guy type situation. Clay Thompson seems to actually have an issue with that thumb. I think that Clay Thompson's issue with his thumb is going to linger, and that's going to be an issue. But if you can get back Draymond to full strength, if you get back Kevin Durant at full strength, if you get back Steph at full strength. Regardless of where Clay as Clay is at health wise, you become the favorite once again. I feel like I just I, I as good as James Harden's been, they still I, I know Chris Paul's a very good player. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a superstar anymore. As good of a facilitator as he is in that offense, and has helped make that offense go. James Harden to me is still the only one true superstar on that team, and I still think Golden State has three, at least yeah. two and a half. Uh, and, and if those guys, even if one of them is not at full strength and they got just K- only KD and Steph at full strength going into the playoffs, I, I can't bet against them. Yeah. Should be fun to watch nonetheless. Yeah. I'm ex- that, I mean, at least we'll have two playoff series that matter this year instead. Yeah. Of <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Making progress. Baby steps. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have another? Yeah, I do. Uh, you probably forgot this one already. I don't know if you saw. It's it's actually it's happening more and more out west that Uber and I think Lyft maybe too are trying yeah. experimenting with these self driving cars, uh-huh. and very sadly uh, one, one struck and I believe uh, killed a woman the other day. I have I have long since sold the idea of self driving cars. They terrify me. So Joe, I'm going to ask you buy the, the man who just bought a Jeep. Yes. Buy or sell the self driving car. Um, well, I. I- I decided to forego the self-driving option on the Jeep, so I'm going to be driving my Good. car full disclosure. I, I appreciate that. Um, you definitely want to be on the right side of history here. Uh, I think there is a place for autonomous vehicles, nope. Um, nope. but with what happened in the news the other day, obviously tragic with the woman being struck in Tempe, struck and killed. And uh, when I was down there for spring training, I saw some of these cars and they're, Were they terrifying? they're all, they're all no, because there's someone behind the wheel and there was someone behind the wheel of this car as well. That's supposed to override the car and, and take 
take the wheel if something is to happen. So what happened in this situation, I don't know, but uh, they're very advanced vehicles. And the one thing I want you to think about, and I'm not a proponent of self-driving cars. Do, do I, do I think that they're going to be a reality in the near future? Absolutely. Like they're already out there on the road. I've already seen people on the highway in their Teslas with no hands on the wheels. That's like that's terrifying. It's, it's, it's terrifying. It's, well, I, I think it's very terrifying too, because the more we defer to technology, the less control we have, the more things that can go wrong in my mind. But you have to look at it in this vein as well. Take, I'd love to see a graph of the hour that that woman was hit by the autonomous vehicle in Tempe, Arizona. How many people were struck by people struck by cars driven by human beings? And I'd say that that number is vastly larger than one. And if you can remove human error, I think that's a good thing. But again, there is always going to be problems with this. There's always going to be issues and there's always going to be casualty fatality when you're trying something as ambitious as self-driving cars. So I think that there is positives to it. There's negatives to it, but I'm selling on self-driving cars. Good. I, I'm, I'm very glad that you feel that way because I, <laughs> but, I am very, very anti-self-driving car. Yeah, they terrify me. The, do, you, I, do you understand my point though? I, I this do. Is the first, I get it. This, but the I first would fatality, still, this is the first fatality in years, in years of them trying well, these cars out. Also, you, you said it. Um, it's, there's still a human behind there. So how many times have maybe the self-driving car malfunctioned, done something wrong where the humans had to take over, had, had take over and override So if, if there is this technology that requires a human to be behind it, why not just have the human control it? Yeah, because i got to be scrolling my Instagram and my Twitter. Then call an Uber. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding yeah. Or just wait till um, you get to a stoplight. All right. Well, let's let's close up buy or sell here. Um, we got a little controversial there. We hit a couple hot topics. Um, let's jump into the mailbag because I know we teased that last week we have a really, really fun mailbag question from Dan Herman, a, a, a valued listener of our podcast. He is a regular listener out there in Colorado doing doing his thing, living the good life. D-Boy, we love you. Thank you for sending us this question. The question was, your dream foursome, dead or alive, you're going out. You're playing a beautiful course. Let's just say we're at Pebble. Well, you know, you're teeing well, it up that, at that, Pebble. That was actually going to ask where if you – is it Augusta or is it Pebble? I miss it. We're, we're, teeing it up at, we're teeing it up at Pebble, and regardless of who you're choosing, old, young, uh, deceased, they're, they're keeping pace. That's not an issue. Okay. Another caveat to this as well, Matt, is we are – what was the caveat? What was your question? Um, I had a question. You had a – yeah, you had an issue with it. Oh, Non-family member. You oh, cannot, yeah, non-family. You cannot, member, yeah. This is Obviously. these are people of distinction that essentially we don't know, and so, you don't have to include me in yours, job. We're basically no, family. yeah, we're yeah, yeah. You, you'll. I you're know my caddy for the day. So no, thanks. Uh, essentially, you're getting to pick three individuals of prominence, dead or alive, to play in a foursome with yourself, Matt. Why don't you go ahead and should we do this draft style? Because I feel like no, we might because I, we shouldn't do it draft here. style because we okay. both are going like it's. It's not drafting your dream food. We each have our dream food. If we have guys that overlap, I, we, I know we're going to have one guy that overlaps. We, we just have to play on different yeah. days then. That's all. We're, we're um, both going with Tiger. Am, are, are, am I, I don't, wrong in saying I don't that? Have don't, to, I don't have Tiger okay, in my fine. foursome. I have Tiger. Uh, I, I, Tiger if I'm playing yeah. golf with, with three other guys, uh, Tiger Woods is absolutely going to be one of them because I and want to see what it's like to it, see Tiger it, Woods strike the ball in person and be on the tee with him. It feels like an awful oversight on my part. I do not have Tiger. But, That's okay. Uh, I'll give you my first pick here, and uh, Arnold Palmer was my first pick, and I just think that 
you know, not just because the Invitational was last week. Not, I've always been very intrigued by Arnie and just the stories behind him and how well he treat he treated everybody in his life. And it seemed like everyone had such a positive story. You've never heard a negative story about Arnold Palmer. The guy taught himself how to fly a plane so he could get to tournaments. The guy revolutionized marketing, revolutionized sponsorship. He did so much for athletes everywhere, not just golfers. And seemed like a human being who I'd love to spend four or five hours with on a golf course. Well, the, I, I was right. We were going to ha- it was right, right, not right about the person, but I was right that we were going to share somebody because I would also have Arnie in the dream okay. for pretty so, much every reason you said. You got um, Tiger, you got Tiger and Arnie. I yeah, love it. I, I went back and forth between Arnie or Jack because I feel like you had to have one of them in there. And now I, you're I going feel like, strictly golfers. No, 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 I, no, I'm okay. not. I'm not. I, I, I okay. have two golfers and then I, gotcha. I actually strictly said I need to go one non-golfer because I need to not lose by like 50 shots. Yeah. If we're playing pebble and these guys are all in their prime, I can play my best round and I'm still losing by 25. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I'm going to go with Arnie. I think th- just the way he revolutionized the game, the way people talk about him, the way yeah. you know, that people talk about his storytelling abilities, him on the course and that swing. I mean, it, it'd be got to got to have Arnie on there. The workman swing of Arnold Palmer. Uh, so you got Tiger and Arnie right mm-hmm. now. I have Arnie. My second pick is Michael Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, mm. I believe that's his middle name, right? It is. Uh, I'd love to have I'd love to have MJ out there because we got to get a little money on the line here. You know, you're not playing golf without MJ uh, unless there's a couple grand on the line. So we get out there, we start doing a little betting. You know, I pick his brain about just the the '90s in Chicago. I think just think. He's such an albatross. He's such a figment of our imagination. Like you, he's never actually anywhere. Mm-hmm. And to have to have some time with him on a golf course, to really nail him down and be with him there, I think that'd be very cool. So I actually, I, I didn't end up with MJ, but I, I did have that. Obviously, that was a name that crossed my mind. Partially what you said, but partially just because the way people talk about his competitiveness and everything that he did, mm-hmm. I would love to you know, participate with him in something like that, where I could actually firsthand see that competitive, you know, up cl- competitiveness up close in front and person, all that stuff. Because obviously we, we remember him a little bit. We were both pretty young kids when he was one of those championships. He won the last two. So I, I remember those a little bit, but you don't really know the guy. You didn't really see the competitiveness in, in everything that he did. And I'd love that you hear stories about him on the golf course, getting in people's heads and all that stuff. I know for a fact that he'd make me slice a couple left. I do that on my <laughs> own, but you know, he, so you probably, wouldn't want, that's I, a reason not to have MJ. No, there, I, I guess, but yeah. that was also a reason I, I thought him just to see that firsthand, but I, I did not go with MJ. I, I started thinking of, you know, athletes in the city and all that stuff. You know, people would be good storytellers, people from teams that I grew up watching, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, obviously, I'm a Blackhawks guy, probably first and foremost. But no one really, you know, stuck out to me there. Anybody that I wanted, I went to the 2005 Chicago White Sox. And, oh no! And, and, and no, and I oh, settled. On, uh, I settled on <laughs> Ozzie Guillen. I no. think now, now, now while, while I don't oh, think I, I might, I might <laughs> not get a word in edgewise, but I don't think there'd be a better storyteller on the golf course. I don't think oh, there'd be a more fun no. personality to have on the golf course. I think he'd be a blast to play around with, especially with guys like Tiger and Arnie. I think the, the personalities of Arnie and Ozzy would be hilarious together. This I is a dream a force, man. I could get you. I could get you eighteen holes with 
I get you can get eighteen holes with Ozzy at like a raffle. That, I don't. That's I, a I, thing. What? That's, I I love that pick. I'm sorry. I, I think a, that's, that's a, a fantastic frivolous pick. But why? Frivolous what, who are pick. you to come at me and tell me that I that about my dream foursome? I don't care how easy or attainable it is. If uh, I'm picking well, four guys that I want to play golf with, I think that's a hell I need of a combination. you to. I need you to. Dream I think bigger, he's a great. I, I think that's a nice dream. <laughs> I, I'm a simple guy, Joe. I mean, I'm not. I'm not thinking <laughs> worldwide here. I'm not. I, I, I'm thinking of guys that pique my interest. Ozzy would tell great stories, but you wouldn't understand a word he was saying. You, so you'd catch every complete, other. It's a complete waste. All right, my and, final pick. I'm currently ahead. sitting, currently sitting out there. Another name end. I did float around was Nick Saban, but I thought he'd just be an asshole okay. the whole time. Yeah, he'd just be a jerk and wouldn't want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, Arnie, MJ, my final pick in my force is Bill Murray. I, I recently oh, got to I see Bill. I recently got to see Bill working out on the course at the Pebble Beach Pro Am, and no one has more fun on a golf course. Cameras around, people around, fans around doesn't matter. He was in bell bottoms, having a fantastic time. He loves the game of golf more than anybody you know, and I think that uh, he'd be a great addition. So Arnold Palmer, Michael Jordan, Bill Murray, and myself. See, I just Bill Murray doesn't do it for me. Part of it is. You he just me. he just seems like a guy who loves to be needs to be in front of the camera all the time. And that's from not story, true. From stories you've kind of heard from him, he's sometimes a little bit of a different guy in front of the camera than he is not on the camera. That's I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that there. But from from stuff I've heard from people close to me who, who've known the situation fairly well, he can be a little bit of a different guy behind the scenes. But I need Carl. I need Carl Speckler in my group. Well, that's different. I, I, I'm not. If, if we're talking <laughs> Carl. That's a little bit. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, Matt. Now, bonus question on oh, the mailbag. Oh god! Uh, I didn't know this this is now obviously we're playing Pebble. There's four caddies. You got caddies. You're walking the course. But in sure. the case that you're in the cart, who in your foursome are you riding with? I think I'm riding with Arnie. Same. I yeah, think, I'm, no I think I'm riding with Arnie. The, the Tiger would be fun to ride with, but at the same time, I think he's still kind of in his own little zone there, no matter who he's playing with, when he's playing. I think yeah. Arnie, the, the storytelling, the, I, I don't think he'd be afraid to, to give me a tip on just about every shot I hit, um, um, but every every little tweak in my swing, I don't think he'd be afraid to do that. I think he'd just be a blast, and I think he, he'd probably make a mean Arnold Palmer, too. That's that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Maybe a John Daly throw a Lovaki in there. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And in that was also some, a name I flirted with. In my fourth ooh, that's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good sleeper. That's a he good would, sleeper. He was actually going to be my fourth instead of Ozzy, but I had to go with, I don't want three other golfers because I don't want to get that's my true, ass kicked though. by everybody. That's true. Um, so I'm riding with Arnie, which means MJ, Bill Murray are riding together. That's a tune squad reunion right yeah, there. Yeah. I was just going to say, things you, work you, out United really Space Jam. <laughs> it's a foursome that's actually occurred before. Yeah. Oh goodness! All right, matter. We'll Michael f- Jordan got taken down into to to Toonland yeah, when he was playing yeah. golf with Bill Murray. Yeah, that's a, that's we all know what happened see, after there. I might buy our memory. You know, that was a good memory right there. Buy buying our memories. Uh, thank you again to Dan Herman for sending us the mailbag question. We appreciate it. Tweet us your foursomes at Moose and Runes uh, on Twitter. We want to know who you would play with. I, I Pick- did get an email from my dad last week. Um, he, he shot an email pretty much right after you listened to the podcast, I think Tuesday afternoon. He's got, uh, he's got Phil. My dad okay. is, is as big of a Phil fan as you're going to find. I think Great we talked pick. about that. He's got Arnie as well. I, 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 it's going to be hard for me to find someone Arnie who says this, he's a, a golf fan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a golf fan who's going to tweet back that wouldn't have Arnie in there. Right. Um, yeah. or at least consider him. And then his last, he's got Lou Holtz. He, he, okay. he's I mean, big Notre Dame fan, you know, through Something through about forever. you, Rooney. He, he's got Lou Holtz. Something about you, Rooney's. You got to throw someone in the foursome who you just aren't going to be able to understand speaking. Yeah, you can understand Lou Holtz. He's got a list, so what? You don't know who you're going to pick. You do a pretty good Lou Holtz. 
I do a pretty good Lou Holtz. Uh, I'm sure you think you do. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thank you to everyone for listening to the Moose and Roots podcast. Hey, we, we've gotten some forty-eight. What's we've up? We've gotten some action on Twitter here with these, but we can still use a little more. Episode fifty coming up. We're around. This is forty-eight, I believe. So we got one more until fifty. And fifty, we want to do a. 50, we want to do a grand mailbag. Right? Yeah, we, we want, want to get, get you know big, five, old, six, mailbag. whatever mailbags. We've gotten you know, probably three or four. We've gotten some good ones we like we're going to go with, but we, we still need a couple more here, so send those along. Fun ones like this, sports ones. We'd like to have a nice little mix. Doesn't all need to be sports. can be pop culture. Joe loves fashion. You can, fashion ask, him, you can ask him about his favorite type of shoes or suit or color combinations. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Now, Matt, you can make you can make fun. You can fun as much as you want. But you I'm, not fun. I'm not you making fun. I'm not making fun. You did text me yesterday that I Joe, look good even in sweatpants. I have legitimately okay. texted you four or five times with that. <laughs> I remember I was buying a suit on Indochino one time. And I was like, hey, what's the deal with the three-piece suit? They're saying I can oh, get yeah, the yeah. vest for 50. Should I do that? And you texted me like two paragraphs back about how the vest <laughs> is out and the vest is overrated and it's a waste of my money. And I, I legitimately, I give you crap on this podcast, but you know I respect your opinion, and I keep coming back for it. The vest is more of a matter of tailoring, too, because if you're getting that suit tailored with the vest under it, that suit's not going to be tailored to your body also when you're true. not wearing the Didn't vest. Didn't even think so about that. that. Big, See, those, the these are issue. things that don't cross my mind. Plus, I got yeah. I got a little bit of that gut. I don't think the vest does, does well with the gut, Joe. <laughs> you look good. You look good in anything, man. Oh, you look good in anything. That is by and, far the nicest and thing you've ever also, said to me. Big news breaking here on the Moose and Moons podcast. Matt Rooney is ditching his sweatpants. He whoa, 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 whoa. Not ditching his, oh, ditching his got, sweatpants I still got a for couple joggers. He's bought, bought five, five four pairs, pairs of joggers. Four, four pairs, pairs of Jordan, Jordan joggers. joggers. I still have a couple of, of Under Armour sweatpants for when it gets cold outside. still like those. A little bit he's, warmer. He's up in his sweatpants game to the jogger, and we're proud of him. Yeah, a little, little bit of a, a, sl- a sleeker look, Joe. I'm trying to trying to cut myself down a little bit. There you make, go. Make it, and I feel like you can cheat a little bit by wearing the clothes a little bit. Oh, you wear you wear a jogger. You wear a jogger anyway. You wear a jogger. Yeah. I wore joggers to dinner last night. I went to a burger joint just down the street. Mind you, it's pretty casual, but you get away with you, a jogger at burger. Joint. Where'd you yeah. what'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get on the burger? Uh, well, this is Burgers and Brew right down the street from oh. me. I've I've pretty much run through their burger list, so now I'm on their sandwich list, and I'm trying the sandwiches. Had their steak sandwich yesterday. Ooh. Sublime. It was a steak sandwich with a, just a, a very mild blue cheese spread, some red onions, and I didn't know how it was going to work, but a little bit of basil on the sandwich, too. Cut through the sharpness of that blue cheese. It just brought everything together on a wonderful steak roll. The roll made it, so it was it was a, a lovely steak sandwich. I, I we started talking food, so it obviously triggered <laughs> just my memory out. here. I, I did, I did a little out. bit. No, I, I got a nice little uh, little present delivered me delivered to me today. Uh, Brian, I think it was on Monday or so, took the day off work, and him and him and Mallory took a took a day trip down to Bloomington. Nice. Where, where Brian took a, a nice little stop at Muggsy's. Cheese and, balls. And, and those two were kind enough to give me a call and ask me what kind of wings I would like because I brought Brian back so many times. So I got I got a large order of Muggsy's wings sitting in the fridge. Probably going to heat them up for lunch tomorrow. I, I'm very See? excited, very much. They even gave me a cup of the Muggsy's ranch, which wow. anybody who's gone to Muggsy's knows they have the best <laughs> ranch in the world, and I don't know how they do it. While the thought there is so fantastic and that's such a great move, 
a warmed up wing just isn't for me. It's not as good, but it's still it's it's still really good. I've heated up Muggsy's wing. You put it in the oven, you crisp it up a little bit. Okay. It's still it's still I don't do I don't like when you throw them in the oven, get them crispy again. They're still very very good. Well, that in place of our shutdown today, that was our shutdown right oh. there. You got you got totally uh, forgot we didn't shut it down. Yet. You got uh, you got Moose and Rune's fashion talk. You got Moose and Rune's wing talk. That's all you need. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. As Let's always, let's get some food mailbags in here for Moose Seriously, and Rune's I think our episode best conversations are forty-eight. We'll dig into it. We'll dig into it. Send us those mailbags for episode fifty. We're gonna have a great time with it. We're gonna break it all down. As always, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. That'll do it for Moose and Rune's episode forty-eight. We will see you next week at our normal time. Tuesday should be the post. Thank you for waiting with us till Wednesday this week. Keep it real. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.